series, <clears throat> excuse me, about creation and beginnings, um, I decided that I would uh, Google uh, natural wonders of the world. Right, natural wonders of the world, and uh, these are some things that came up. This first one, do you recognize where that is? Do you know what that is? Thank you, Victoria Falls. You're better than first service. They thought it was uh, Niagara Falls, right? Uh, Victoria Falls. It's on the border of Zambia and Zimbabwe, and uh, they said you can actually swim around there. Um, I personally wouldn't, but uh, I guess you can. Uh, there's a place called Devil's Pool, which I definitely would not swim in anything called Devil's Pool. I don't even eat deviled eggs, right? So I don't want anything close to that, right? Uh, well, that's Victoria Falls. But isn't that gorgeous? Isn't that beautiful? This next one, uh, these are called the Sandstone Pillars. And there's some place in China that I couldn't pronounce the name. And even when I said, hey, pronounce this, I still couldn't understand what they were saying. Uh, but these are the Sand Pillars. Some of them are uh, 800 uh, meters tall. Like they're huge. And uh, I think it's part of a national park. And I think if I was reading correctly, that some of this either was inspired or they were working with some of this for the movie Avatar. Um, but that's uh, just another beautiful place. Um, you know where this one is, right? What's this one? You're right, the Great Barrier Reef. I'm sure someone said that, right? You're thinking it. Uh, the Great Barrier Reef, and that's in Australia. And they say there's some like 800 islands around there. And you can uh, scuba dive, you can uh, snorkel, all kinds of things. But isn't that, again, that's just one of those gorgeous, uh, gorgeous views, isn't it? And uh, this one, I know a lot of you know because a lot of you have visited here over the last couple of years um, out west. What's this place? That's the um, Zion National Park. Yeah, Zion National Park. And it's called Devil's Landing. And uh, I would like to tell you that I have been to Devil's Landing. Um, and I like to say that I made it halfway there, but I probably only made it about a fourth of the way there. And it was a little discouraging when, um, no offense to those of you that are older, but some older people came walking down that they had been up to the top and I couldn't make it. But anyway, yeah, that's uh, Angel's Landing. Um, and just, a, again, just a beautiful, it looks like the picture, doesn't it? It doesn't look like, a, like it's real. It looks like somebody did a painting. Um, well, then I thought I would, uh, d I would Google uh, beautiful birds, and this bird came up. Anybody know what kind of bird that is? It's a Victorian crowned pigeon. Who would have thought a pigeon would be one of the most beautiful birds in all the world, right? One place even says the most beautiful bird. And again, it looks like somebody like took a marker and painted it. Um, that's how gorgeous it is. And then uh, this one, I could have swore this one was a picture, a painting, but I think it's real. This is, uh, of course, a lion. And uh, I think that's about the most beautiful picture I've ever seen of a lion. Just like majestic and the hair and everything and just absolutely gorgeous. And then I, uh, I googled beautiful flowers and this one came up. Who doesn't like a, a rose, right? Uh, just a simple rose can be just a, a beautiful thing. Um, and then this is probably the most beautiful picture of all um, right there. Um, <laughs> my wife's biscuits and gravy. Um, but anyway, um, so we're in this uh, series called Beginnings. And we're going to talk today about uh, God creating man. And of all these beautiful pictures and all these beautiful sights and sounds and scenery that you could see anywhere around the world is pretty amazing. But you know, the fact of the matter is this. You're God's crowning achievement. You and I are God's crowning achievement. We were created in His image. They were not created in His image. As beautiful as those things are, as breathtaking it can be, we went out west and man, it's like, you've got to be kidding me. How in the world did this take place? And we look at it and we stare and we're just in awe, but the fact of the matter is when I look in the mirror, I see God's crowning achievement and that He created man. And I know the world doesn't want to say that, right? The world wants to say, Andy, you're too fat, you're too bald, and you need to lay off the biscuits and gravy. But the fact is, when God sees me, he sees a unique individual that he created in his image to do what he's prepared for me to do. And of all the beauty and all the creation, you and I are God's crowning achievement. You and I. 
And we shouldn't let the world call us anything but that. Jesus even said, he's like, um, don't worry about tomorrow. Why? Well, have you considered the lilies of the field? Remember this? And he's like, they're arrayed in more beauty than even Solomon was and all the splendor that he had. And that lily is going to be thrown into the fire. And so if God will take care of a lily and, and clothe it as beautiful as he does, won't he that much more take care of you? And he said, consider the, the birds, right? And the fact that they eat and they never go hungry. And God said, you think if God takes, or if Jesus said, if you think God the Father is going to take care of a bird and make sure he's fed, don't you think he's going to take care of you that much more? Why? Because we're God's crowning achievement. So I want us to look at today what it looks like to be created in the image of God. What does the Bible tell us in the creation story in Genesis 1 and Genesis chapter 2 about God creating man? Like, what's the verbiage that's actually used there? And uh, what do we take away from this? What does it mean to be made in His image? And what do, we, what do we do with the fact that we're God's crowning achievement when it comes to creation? So I'm going to read some verses for you. I pulled some out of Genesis 1 and 2 um, that uh, are about man being created, okay? And, and what our role is, okay? So here we go. Genesis 1, uh, we'll start with 26 through 30. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Um, I want to slow down there. I won't slow down at every verse, I promise. Um, but remember last week, we talked about the fact that God was created, that, or that God exists in three persons. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I can imagine that as Moses is reading this and sharing this with the Israelites as they've come out of Egypt, and they're heading across the Promised Land, and he's reading this to them that God inspired him to write, that they probably had some questions. Like, Moses, how come you're saying um, our image and our likeness? Were you there? And Moses is like, well, I wouldn't, I'm not going to be put myself in that crowd, right? And so they had to explain to him that God exists in three persons. So God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Yes, that means you can have dominion over that spider. And I was going to say ladies, but that sounded sexist and I don't like spiders either. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed and its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. Genesis 2, 7 through 9. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. So we had Genesis chapter 1, and it talks about the creation of man. But now in Genesis chapter 2, it's like we have more detail that God puts into the story for Moses to share. All right? So he formed a man out of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that's pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Genesis 2.18-25, and the Lord said, it's not good for the man should be, that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field 
every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. So we can thank Adam for a name like Aardvark. The man gave names to... First service thought that was funnier than you guys did. You must like aardvarks. <coughs> Excuse me. The man gave names to all livestock, to the birds of the heavens, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs, closed up its place with flesh. And that rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. The man said, Whoa, man! Worst preacher joke ever. You'll probably hear it again sometime. This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father's mother, hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Those are the verses that talk about God creating man in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. And what I wanted to look at is what does it mean to be created like him? What does it mean to be created like God in his image? Obviously, you and I don't have the power to do everything that God did, right? In creation and breathing life into man and all this kind of stuff. We don't have that power to do that thing. So what does it mean to be created in his image? God is spirit. So what does it mean to be in his image if he's spirit? How, how can we be like God? And so like every good preacher, I decided to take that word image and turn it into an acrostic um, so that, I don't know, maybe you'll remember it or you can say, hey, that was cool what he did with that word. Okay, so here we go. Number one, um, we were created to be in community. We were created to be in community. We cannot deny the fact that when in Genesis 1, God said, let us make man in our image, that God himself is in community. Can we? God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit, they seem to be communicating with each other, talking with each other, being in each other's presence. We cannot deny that that's how God exists and that he created us to be the same. It's not good for man to be alone. We were created to be in community. We weren't created to be Lone Ranger Christians or just to go live off the grid somewhere. That's not how God created us to exist. If you remember in Acts chapter 2, we studied the book of Acts last year, and after the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people came forward and accepted Jesus and were baptized, and then the Bible says they all went home, curled up in the fetal position in their walk-in closet, right? No. What happened after that? They met in the temple every single day. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and breaking of bread and prayers and what else? Fellowship. Deep, rich fellowship. You have to have community in order to be in fellowship. Right? And then they met in each other's homes. And they dedicated themselves to the same stuff. But they, the Bible also goes on to tell us that when somebody had a need, they would actually sell stuff to give them the money to take care of that need that they had. They lived in community. They lived life together. And you and I were created to live in community as well. Consider Jesus and his ministry for three years. He didn't just come and just start walking along in this town. I'll have a couple people here or there. Or I'll let somebody write it down and deliver it. No, he picked 12 guys to follow him around to teach them, to educate them, to disciple them. And when the guys were around, they would even go to Bethany where Mary and Martha and Lazarus were and enjoy company with them. We were created to be in community. So when we push things like Life Group, when we push things like Titus 2 and Base Camp, all of those are an effort to say you were not created to be a Christian off by yourself somewhere. You were created to be in community, around other believers, around others of God's creation that we might be able to sharpen each other, lift each other up, and encourage each other. We were created to be in community. 
Solomon put it this way in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. Plus, when you're doing something and you mess up, you can blame the other person that's there. For if they fall, I added that Solomon didn't actually say that. I think he would have, though, had he thought about it. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. We were created to be in community. In his image means that we too were created to be in community. Secondly, we were made to have dominion. We were made to have dominion. So exactly what does that mean? So this is what it said in verse 26. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And down in verse 28, God blessed him. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. In Genesis 1.31, after saying all those things, what did God say? He saw everything that he made and behold, it was what? It was very good. It was very good. So this is what God's plan is and His design for man. We are His crowning achievement. We were created to be, have dominion over all these other things that He created. Right? So even though we may treat our pets like people, they're not people. Right? They don't, have this, they don't get to pull out their wallet and be generous towards somebody. Right? We have that ability. They don't love as we love. The dog's memories and things are, are different from ours. Cats are in a whole other category. I don't even know if we call them pets. But anyway... I'll get a hate email for that later, right? Tim at kccwire.com. But you understand, right? Animals are not human beings. And as much as we may treat them like that sometimes, they're not humans. We are God's crowning achievement. We were created to have dominion over the animals and the plants. Now, I think with that comes responsibility. I think we do have responsibility for the earth that God gave us to live in. Now, I'm not a what you would describe as a tree hugger. I didn't say that first service because it would be broadcast other places, right? I'm not a tree hugger by any means. But there is something. But I hate it when people litter. I hate it when people take advantage of the land that we do have and people just toss stuff out. I'm like, what are you doing? I mean, we were given this land in this world and yes, we have dominion over it, but we need to care for it too, don't we? Don't we have some kind of responsibility to make sure that we're taking care of the land and the universe that God gave us to live in as well? So with dominion, not only comes we're God's crowning achievement, but we have a responsibility to care for that which he put us in dominion over. And so we need to care for the world that God gave us to live in as well. Third, we were made apart from the animals. We were made apart from animals. Uh, this has probably been the most convicting thing that I've heard over the last 12 months. The thing that really just um, knocked me down and had me really looking at myself in the mirror a little differently uh, over the past probably about eight or nine months. I told you I've been listening to that podcast, that Baymont podcast. Um, but in Genesis 2.19, this is, this is what we read. Out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field, every bird of the heavens, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. Right? We all have that visual in our mind of, you know, two bugs flying by, zzz, you know, and Adam's like, I'll call you fly and I'll call you bee, whatever. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was his name. So we have that visual. And I had always looked at Genesis chapter 2 and that part of the passage 
to say that um, God said it's not good for man to be alone. Let's parade all the animals in front of him so that Adam will realize how awesome Eve is. Okay, that's kind of how I had it built up in my mind. But after listening to this podcast, I thought, this is a lot more convicting way to look at this passage of Scripture. God had all these animals, what if, pass in front of Adam so that he could realize, Adam, you're not an animal. You're not an animal. And the reason that that's convicting for me is that when I deal with my own personal sin, temptation, whatever garbage that Andy has to deal with, you can either give in to that stuff or you can make a decision to say, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, what's the difference between those decisions? An animal would just do it because that's their instinct. I'm hungry, I'm going to eat something. Right? When they want to mate, they go mate. If they want, your cat wants to tear up their couch, they tear up your couch, right? Because cats are evil, dumb, and awful. i got to get off the cat thing, don't I? Right? That's what animals do. They're, just, they're instinctual and they act on those instincts. But you are not an animal. And I had to look in my, at myself at that point in my life and say, Andy, you're not an animal. You can make choices. You can decide to throw that thing out of your house because it's leading you down a bad path. You can choose not to say that thing that will be offensive like you just did about cats, or you can choose to go ahead and say those things and have people be upset with you. I can make those decisions. Why? Because I'm God's crowning achievement. I can make those decisions. I am not an animal. We were made apart from animals. And I know I've been making light of the cat thing, but I'm, I'm really serious about this. This is like probably the pivotal moment of creation where you and I, as sinners saved by grace who still struggle probably with temptation and different things, we have a choice. We have options. God created us to have the strength, discipline, and self-control to do what? To say yes or no to stuff. We are not animals. We are created apart from them. And that's probably the biggest part of being created in God's image. Fourth, we are glory-seeking. I know this can sound like a bad thing, and we'll talk about it in a second, but just as God created us to worship Him and bring glory to Him, you and I, as created beings, we're kind of glory-seeking also. Have you ever helped somebody out with something, and then you're in a conversation with somebody, and then you kind of subtly work it in the conversation? Oh yeah, I know Jim, I actually helped pay his rent last month. You ever done something like that? Not you, but I'm sure you've heard of somebody doing something like that, right? <laughs> we kind of subtly work those things in. Why do we do that? Because we seek glory. We kind of want people to look at us and say, yeah, he's all that and the bag of chips, right? We want people to look at us. We want people to notice the things that we do. Why? Because being created in God's image, we too kind of seek glory. And just as God created us to worship him. I see this in Genesis chapter 11. You remember the story of the Tower of Babel? Remember that one? The Tower of Babel, this is after the flood, and the world was starting to be populated once again through Noah and his sons. And in verse 4 of Genesis 11, it says this, um, Then they said, all the people that were created at that time, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us, what? Make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Even the people from the very beginning were like, We want people to look at us. We want people to know our name. We want people to see and recognize the things that we do. And I think being created in God's image, we too kind of have this glory-seeking thing about us that we want people to see what we do. The fifth thing um, I thought was just an interesting point that the author of the, a book I'm kind of using with this uh, study 
is that we were in, we are enhancers of creation. We are enhancers of uh, creation. Uh, this is what uh, David wrote in Psalm chapter eight. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've heard that song, right? You have set your glory above the heavens. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? All this beauty and all this stuff, what, who is man? What is man that you're mindful of us? And the son of man that you care for him. Why do you even care for us? Yet you've made us a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned us with glory and honor. You've given us dominion over the works of your hands and you have put all things under our feet. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. We were created to be in God's image, in community, having dominion apart from the animals, glory-seeking people, yet we were still created to enhance creation. This is what Mark Moore, the guy that uh, I told you the Core 52 book is kind of the book I'm using as a guide to use the verses that we're preaching from as we go through these uh, this year. He said this, he said, We're caretakers of God's garden. Our created purpose is to enhance what God made. We add our creativity to his creation. We've done that in many ways through agriculture, art, industry, education, medicine, and technology. God's creation was an environment perfectly designed by him for us, but it wasn't complete without us. When I read that, I thought there were two things in play. One, we helped complete God's creation. Like it wasn't going to be done unless we were created in it. But then also we were created to enhance it. Take Adam's job. He was put in the garden to do what? Be a farmer, be a gardener, right? And what was he doing? He was enhancing the garden. Things were growing from it. It became a place where he could eat fruits and vegetables from. We were created to enhance the kingdom and the world that God had created. We weren't made as gods, but we were made to, made to enhance the creation that he gave us. Now, if we stop the message right there, which some of you would be tempted and say, oh, Andy preached a short one today. Yeah, like that's going to happen. Um, and we just stopped the message right there and said, you were created in the image of God. You're created to be in community, so go be in community. You're made to have dominion, so don't be a vegan. Sorry, I didn't say that out loud, right? Or at least spiritually be a vegan, all right? <laughs> Remember, you're apart from the animal. You're not an animal. You get to make decisions. Yes, you're a glory seeker, but we're here to enhance God's kingdom. We could walk out, but I don't think the doorway would be big enough for any of our heads if we stopped the message right there. Because what's the danger in all of this and understanding and realizing that we are created in God's image? We start to maybe think that we were not just created by Him, but maybe we'd be tempted to think that we're created to be Him. But the fact is, we were not created to be Him. We were not created to be Him. And that little word starts to creep up that kind of takes us across that line of created by Him to thinking I'm created to be Him. And it starts with P and it ends in ride. And this is what C.S. Lewis had to say about it. According to Christian teachers, the essential vice, the utmost evil, is pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in, compa- in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. He went on to say, pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. It is pride which has been the chief cause of misery in every nation and every family since the world began. This is what the Bible says about pride. In Proverbs 8, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. 
pride and arrogance and the way of evil and pervert uh, and perverted speech I hate when pride comes then comes disgrace but with the humble is wisdom pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall and finally in Isaiah the haughty looks uh, the haughty looks of man shall be brought low and the lofty pride of men shall be humbled and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day the problem with us being created in God's image, and yes, being glory seekers ourselves, is that we not just get up to the line of saying, I want to be God, is that we cross the line and start to think that we are God. And we try to make everything in the world focus on us, and everybody pay attention to us, and we want to be the center of the universe. And folks, that's what sin is. Sin is saying, I want to be God. We'll talk about it next week with the fall, but the fact is, that's what sin is, and what sin does is separates us from a holy God. So when we talk about our identity, yes, we have our identity in God because we are His crowning achievement. He created us to be in His image. But the fact is, every single one of us has crossed that line of pride and said, I want to be God, and that we've all been in sin. And because of that, as the Bible tells us in Romans, we deserve death. But here's the good news, so that we can fit our heads back through that door again humbled but realizing we were created for a purpose, is that we were created to be restored by him as well. So even in crossing that line of pride and crossing that line of sin and being separated from God and being apart from him, there's this reconciliation that God had prepared in advance, knowing what would happen because he's God, knowing what would take place, he also had a restoration plan in mind as well. In Romans 5 it says this, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. In Ephesians 1 it says, Which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. We were created in God's image, but we sinned. Why? Because we were created in God's image and we sought glory, thinking that we could be him. But God, knowing that, knowing all things, and created us, and creating us in His image, knew that, and so He also had a restoration plan in place. And that restoration plan was to send Jesus to die on the cross for you and for me. Why? Because we are His crowning achievement. And He wants to be in community with us for all of eternity. He took our place, saving us from trying to take His place. He took our place, saving us, from trying to take his place. If you're here today and you've still are wallowing in hopelessness, wondering what truth is, wondering who Jesus is, wondering what eternity is, and all of those things, I'm here to tell you that one, you are created in God's image, so don't let anybody don't let anyone else tell you you're anything but that. I used to tell my sons that are growing up, when you go see a girl or you're interacting in the hallways at school, don't you dare think or call them anything else other than special because they were created in God's image. They're image bearers of God. And that's how we need to treat each other. Don't let the world call you anything else but an image bearer of the holy God because that's exactly what you are. 
But if you're here today and you've not come to that recognition, or you're realizing what it means, or trying to realize what it means to be created in His image, I'm here to tell you that God wants to be in community with you for all of eternity. And He's made a way for that to happen through Jesus. And if you're wondering what that is, if you're looking for that, after the service I'll be up front, I'll be glad to talk you through what exactly that is. But if you're to here today as a Christ follower, you know that you're created in the image of God, I would go back to that first point about what does it mean to be created in His image. It means to realize what exactly we were created for. To glorify and honor Him by being in dominion over all the things He created, by being in community with each other, and by doing the work that He's prepared in advance for us to do, which we find in Ephesians 2, chapter 10. You're created in God's image. Let's find glory in that and rejoice in that, yet also be convicted by the fact that being created in His image means that we also have been seeking glory, have gone to that part and had that sin, but we've also been restored by God to do the work that He's prepared for us, to live holy and acceptable lives for Him, pointing to Him, giving Him the honor that He absolutely deserves. Daryl's going to come with the worship band and they're going to sing a song that he found. and uh, It's a secular song, so to speak. and uh, But it really speaks to what it looks like to find our identity in God and where we might find Him as well. So let's, let's pray. Father, we thank You for creating us in Your image and for creating us unique. Like none, of us, none of the two of us are alike. We have different fingerprints and different looks and hairstyles and sizes and all those different things. And we just, we give you glory for that. We appreciate how you created things, that we could just be different, and that we could be our own person that you created us to be. But Father, in all of that, I pray that you'd help us to keep in mind that we are not animals. We are created to be above that, to have discipline and self-control. And that when sin comes knocking at our door, that we make decisions to say, I follow Jesus, the one who I was created in the image of. And we live our lives in that way, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.